WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate internet marketer's knowledge base. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcast at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows past and present like SEO 101, Affiliate Buds, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Searchcast, and so much more. Download it from the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store today. Business is changing and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Larry Weber. Get ready to hear perspectives on technology and integrated communications that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and brands today. Now, please welcome our host, a globally known expert in PR and marketing, with more than three decades of experience, and best-selling author, the host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hello and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, Chairman and CEO of RacePoint, a global communications agency at the intersection of influence and action. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Torrance Boone, Managing Director of Agency Development North America at Google about agencies in Google uh, and sort of a whole vast array because he's had quite a career uh, of topics. But at Google, he's tasked with teaching agencies how Google's wide range of products and services can help them better serve clients. Mr. Boone joined Google in 2010 from Infatico where he served as CEO. Previously, he has served as Managing Director at Digitas Chicago, VP General Manager at Avenue A, which is now Razorfish, Senior Manager at Bain and & Company, and CEO of Project Da Vinci, Global Agency of WPP. He was, uh, when he was under 40, he was named one of the top 40 under 40 business executives in Massachusetts by the Boston Business Journal, and uh, he has quite a fabled education with an MBA from Harvard Business School and a BA in Economics with Honors from Stanford. You can follow Torrance on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Torrenceboone, that's T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E-B-O-O-N-E. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Torrance. Thanks, Larry. It's great to be here. Maybe you could just start, you know, 30,000 feet up, Torrance, about, you know, your position at Google, what you and your team do every day, and, and what you're tasked with. Sure. So... I lead a team at Google that partners with advertising and marketing agencies to basically help them become expert users of our products and platforms. So our goal is to help agencies create the best work possible for their clients and to show them the possibilities of digital as they craft those campaigns and build brands. And has Google's ability to, ability to partner with big marketing and advertising agencies evolved over the past five years? I mean, you know, what have you seen since you've been there as far as agencies coming out of their shells and actually working with a partner like Google? Yes, we've seen 
a tremendous amount of evolution, and I'm happy to say that it's all been quite positive. If you rewind four or five years ago, I think that there were a number of misconceptions on both sides, both on the agency side and on the Google side in terms of how both parts of the marketing ecosystem could work together in order to deliver value for clients. And a lot of that was just, I think, the nature of the infancy of the the business at that time and the fact that Google came to market principally as a search organization, as a search company, and search was very different. It was a new marketing lever. A lot of the agencies didn't necessarily understand it incredibly well, and it in many ways hit a number of buttons that agencies don't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about in terms of data and analytics. It's a very left-brain marketing lever. And so I think there was a lot that needed to be sorted through for agencies to understand how search could actually be a very powerful lever in the marketing arsenal. And I think Google also recognized uh, over time that agencies play a critical role as strategic advisors to clients and that marketing is bigger than search and that it too had lots to learn from people and organizations who have been building brands for for decades. So I think in the beginning, we really focused on relationship building and trust building and a lot of education and uh, a lot of, of activity focused on just broadening respective horizons around what each each of us brought to the table. And I'm pleased to say today we have incredibly tight partnerships across the agency ecosystem and we're embedded in ways that I never thought imaginable four years ago in terms of helping them understand the possibilities of digital and to create fantastic work together. Well, I would have to support that completely because, I mean, I look back four or five years ago and almost any agency principal you talked to thought, you know, Google and anything uh, to deal with, you know, marketing automation, uh, data analytics was competitive and not complementary. And now the better agencies really get how complementary it is and that marketing is becoming this integration of both software content and, uh, you know, other marketing automation. And I'm sure um, it was great to see Google also admit that, you know, marketing is a rather large planet and that, you know, and that, <laughs> and that uh, you, you can help the change, actually. So. Yeah, and what's also interesting is that in the beginning, we just had one big, and very powerful product, and that was search. And for many agency executives, particularly those who were shepherding very large-scale brands, it was very difficult to understand the relevance of just that one marketing lever against all of the challenges associated with 
big picture brand building. But what also has happened over those past four or five years is our product portfolio has diversified incredibly. So now we have the YouTube platform and online video, which is critical from a sight, sound, and motion perspective. We have the Google Display Network, which has the widest reach out there. We have the whole mobile and Android platform, which obviously given current consumer trends is critical in connecting brands to consumers in real time. So over the course of that, that four or five years, we have become a lot more relevant to brands as a branding partner, and agencies have recognized that well, and there are a lot more things in our toolkit for them to play with. There's also the the products like Maps, as an example, where the most creative agencies are plugging into our APIs and doing very cool things to, again, activate brands in, in ways that were really uh, unimag- unimaginable four or five years ago. Hey, as long as you're, you're filling out the list of capabilities and things that you're doing, um, I, I wanted to drill down on one thing, and that this goes back, I can't believe it's 10 years now. I first met Larry and Sergey at uh, one of those Fortune events or whatever it was, and we were talking over a beer, and um, they they were seemed obsessed with local data and how mm-hmm. yeah how you and again it's all this has been ten years I can't believe that but it was they just kept talking to me about how important it's going to be to know location and the data that's going to be collected uh, you know from a locality are you seeing that finally receive some of the importance especially from agencies as they put together programming. Absolutely, and it's connected to this massive uh, shift in consumer behavior to mobile and also the the innovation associated with smartphones that, in essence, puts a, a supercomputer into the pockets of, of everyday people and allows us to do really sophisticated uh, marketing. So, if you look at mobile and even mobile searches, over a third of mobile searches actually have location-based intent. So people are on the go. They have their mobile phones. They take them out when they are thinking about going to restaurants or bars, or they have specific products that they have on their list to purchase, and they happen to be in a physical environment that triggers the the association with that with that intention and they pull out their mobile phones to actually do research and to figure out what what the best what the best strategy is to uh you know to accomplish what they what they're seeking to accomplish so um what's great about location data is it allows marketers to be hyper-responsive. And that's incredibly, incredibly powerful, obviously, particularly for small and medium-sized businesses as well. Um, The other interesting trend around location data comes to life with a relatively new capability and product that we came up with, which is called Google Now. Yep. So on your 
on your on your mobile phone, you you literally have a personal assistant behind the scenes who based on what's in your calendar, where you are physically, searches you've made, all of those sorts of things can actually serve up data and information real time. So the best example um, I use is one recently where I took a vacation to uh, Cambodia to Angkor Wat, which was amazing, and I landed in the middle of, of Cambodia and I took out my mobile phone and Google Now served up directions to my hotel. It served up the top areas uh, tourist attractions in the area. It had recommendations for restaurants, and it also gave me useful information like the weather and, and those sorts of things. So the fact that, that you have these smart phones that are so powerful and you have location-specific data, it allows you to just be much more responsive and, and intimate and to serve up real-time information that is incredibly useful. Is the last mile there going to be, you know, when you landed in Cambodia, is the, is the last mile there going to be not just everything that they sort of concierged helped you with, but also maybe embedding some kind of digital loyalty or offer that is in context of what you like to buy or what you like to do? And are we starting to see some of that happen? Absolutely. So the all of the trends around local offers and the initiatives that we've driven around mobile-based commerce. So Google Wallet, as an example, that allows you to store coupons, promotional uh, offers at uh, real time based on your location, uh, based on profile data. So we're seeing, and, and I think the the latest retail season with Black Black Friday and Cyber Monday, the 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 prominence that smartphones, mobile technology, have in the context of shopping experiences today is just amazing, and it's only going to get more uh, robust, so that it is hyper efficient in terms of offers, coupons, those sorts of things, but also services that allow you to navigate stores more efficiently, to um, scan information, to get you know nutritional content, as an example, for food products. All of those sorts of things are happening now in their earliest stages, and I, I think we're only going to see more innovation on that front in the future. We're going to take a short commercial break right now, but please stand by. We'll be right back with Torn Spoon and more of our conversation about agencies and Google. Market Edge will return in just a moment. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short-branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. 
Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, Let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach, a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. Jellian Music, your CEO coach, will break down the art of business development from the ground up. CEO Coach, on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Torn Spoon, the Managing Director, Agency Development North America at Google. And we've been talking about some agencies and Google, but a lot about Google's really vast array of products. Uh, as they build out their platform to really mirror where society's headed in a in a in a complete mobile and 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 data filled world. Hey, I, I had a quick question going back to the agency world. Torrance, are there any industries that you've seen have been more effective or least effective in leveraging Google's suite of tools, suite of tools uh, for marketing purpose? Example. You know, is CPG versus healthcare, or are you seeing sort of most industries uh, rising to the occasion to use um, uh, the palette that uh, Google offers? There are bright spots across all industries, which is really fantastic for us, and and I think for the agencies that work for those brands. So while Again, we're still at the very earliest stages, I would argue, uh, in terms of the potential of digital to uh, to help brands uh, connect with consumers in, in in more intimate ways. I think that there is a lot of innovation and a number of, of great examples. I mean, recently, uh, in the auto sector, as an example, uh, the the new Toyota configurator 
which uh, was written up in the New York Times right before the Thanksgiving holiday, um, is a great example of an auto manufacturer just being hyper um, uh, experimental and forward looking and leveraging things like Google Plus Hangouts and um, social commentary and really sophisticated um, configuration tools to really turn on its head the whole car purchase experience. I think that's an amazing example. Um, you know, what Unilever is doing, I think, is fantastic. The Dove brand and Dove Sketches, um, which had over 165 million views on, on YouTube, and it's still counting. Um, great execution. And then their most recent launch of Project Sunlight, as well, which um, both of these campaigns are very, very much grounded in uh, the YouTube environment and understanding the power there. So I think across auto, uh, CPG, uh, financial services, certainly retail, uh, there's lots of great activity that's happening. Well, you bring up YouTube yet again. I remember my third book, Sticks and Stones, I had a whole chapter called the YouTube Juggernaut and how it was going to, you know, eventually become one of the environments of choice because of just the hmm. the dominance of the, of the visual uh, visualization of data and crossing into entertainment. But I, I'd, I'd love you to step out of your Google role for one second and, and just put on the Torrance genius hat about what I would say is the elephant in the room, and that is that that we still in this country spend well over $100 billion on television advertising. Why do we do that? <laughs> well, I think what's, what's fantastic about television, particularly television today, is the incredible quality of content. Yeah. Um, and I think that that justifies what we're seeing from a monetization perspective in the advertising industry. And what's, what's, what's ironic is you have, uh, you have ratings going down, you have viewership going down, going up as it relates to, you know, broadcast and, and cable television. And I think the only, the only explanation there is the fact that, um, TV content producers are really in a renaissance in a lot of ways, um, and that is justifying that kind of engagement. Um, and it served as a as a beacon for us in terms of how to think about content and content consumption on platforms like YouTube, because you have to engage consumers in ways that that arrest their attention because it's so competitive. We, on the YouTube front, think of popular content uh, as, as much of a compelling uh, sort of advertising uh, proposition as what the industry terms premium content. Because what's amazing about YouTube is there are a number of very large-scale audiences that are plugging into what would in any other environment be considered niche types of content, but they hit on passion points. And because it's a global platform, 
you're able to attract and connect with consumers in in a way that um, that traditional uh, offline or TV uh, types of channels can't uh, can't match. So you know, I think there it's a it's a it's a big ecosystem. I think there's there's room for everyone. We like to think of uh, YouTube as uh, not necessarily a replacement for television, but a way to augment and extend experiences and even content that that is initiated on TV. Um, you know, besides all the tools we've talked about, mobility, uh, you know, the, the data and the analytics, the marketing automation, are we missing anything? What's like what's Google work? What's Google working on now? that we might not be thinking about as as far as you know rounding out that sort of uh, marketing toolbox is there some interesting there's got to be some interesting innovation happening Torrance yes well you know i would say what i find interesting and what we we spend a lot of time thinking about in terms of the future is this notion of the internet of things so if you think about um, physical objects and connectivity of those physical objects to the cloud and what that can enable, the, the possibilities are pretty, pretty amazing. So Google Glass obviously is something that has gotten a lot of, of press and interest, and I think it's reflective of the fact that computing technology and the ability to miniaturize um, computers and the the functionality associated with with computing um, actually allows us to embed um, really smart capabilities to everyday objects, be they uh, glasses that you wear or what GE is doing as an example in terms of putting sensors into their aircraft engines to be able to predict when they when they might fail or when they're in need of of maintenance and and attention. So this notion of of the industrial internet and having um, everyday objects in some way connected to the cloud or to machine-based learning, um, I think is is really an, an interesting road in the future that we're, again, still at the very early stages of, but uh, I think you'll see a lot of innovation from us on that front. I uh, got to wear a pair of the glasses a few months ago, and I I actually was pleasantly surprised. I thought, uh, even though people thought I was weird walking around tapping my side of my head, but um, but, <laughs> but I uh, I was really actually, you could see the potential just, you know, uh, even though everything wasn't perfect, you could just see the potential of uh, the immediacy of recording things, of uh, asking questions. Uh, and you're right, this whole Internet of Things is going to be, uh, it's just going to, not just the wearable things, it's its going to change a lot uh, of what we're doing. But, but back to a couple last questions. Um, you know, how about your view, you know, you've been very kind to the agency world, but, you know, there are some skeptics about, uh, you know, things like Publicis and Omnicom merging to form this 
almost $40 billion, um, you know, um, 90% television advertising kind of kind of world. Um, is there still room for the creative boutiques and the, you know, the power of great content uh, that comes out of maybe the smaller agencies? And does Google try to, you know, you know, reach out to them as well as as these giants. So I guess there's about three questions in there, Torrance. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that what what is critical to recognize is that the the agency ecosystem is is obviously big and complex, and the needs of of brands and advertisers are incredibly broad and complex. So. I think that there's room for all sorts of models in the agency space. And what I appreciate about the Publicis Omnicom move is it's it's a, a bold move in one direction around providing a, a, a very scaled set of services and offerings to some of the biggest, most complex global brands. And that is an important, um, that is an important thing to be able to pull off. And there is a big market need for uh, that kind of scale, the negotiation leverage that comes with that scale, uh, the implications for data and technology that come with that scale. Um, And we partner very closely with, with, those those two holding companies, and we'll we'll partner very closely with the combined entity. Uh, on the flip side, I do think that there is lots of upside for small, uh, innovative agencies who are really at the forefront and, and bleeding edge of, of innovation. Ironically, to this point, I had you know, an amazing uh, breakfast this morning with uh, Michael Lebowitz, who's the the CEO of Big Spaceship, and they are one of those, um, you know, small boutique um, agencies that is really redefining what marketing communications mean. And they have a very interesting approach to content development, to social, to uh, partnering with with organizations in in new product development and design, um, and you know they're a fraction of the size of uh, a Publicis Omnicom entity. So, and then there are all sorts of models in between. So, I think more than anything, it's important for the the agency business to continue to experiment and to not um, to actually not be cynical about experimentation because that's where you you actually stumble on uh, innovation and I think one of the one of the principles that we try and 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 that we try to to uh, reinforce in our agency partnerships is this notion of, of agile creativity um, which is all about um, leveraging a lot of the principles of, of Silicon Valley and, and technology and product development to the marketing services industry. And, you know, the, the foundation of that, that philosophy is around experimentation and testing and learning and not being afraid to fail and uh, prototyping and beta testing 
it's a it's a skill set that the agency world needs to embrace a lot more aggressively, and we need to um, actually applaud uh, experimentation that uh, helps us learn and um, that hopefully delivers really good work in the process. I couldn't agree with you more. I thought it would be much earlier when I was sitting at my big office at Interpublic in 2003, you know, t- saying the same thing. We can learn so much from software companies. And um, right. they looked at me like I had three heads. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I, we have time for one last question. I just wanted a little a little bit off the wall question for you. I have uh, three kids, my two older girls uh, just out of college, uh, still take still pictures and still go to Facebook. But my 17-year-old son hasn't been been back on Facebook for three months, and he's just having a blast with Vine and Snapchat. Um, what's, yeah. what's your What's your take on the constant, you know, uh, reinvention of 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 internet de- destinations, uh, especially for uh, for younger people who actually seem to be walking away from that that first generation of uh, of you know social media and applications. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously an incredibly complicated set of dynamics there. Um, I think that the way that we think about these trends really connect to the notion of technology cycles. So all of these companies, um, you know, ourselves, Facebook, Twitter, Yahoo, I mean, our, our, our biggest, um, challenge is making sure that we are constantly reinventing and anticipating where these these shifts are going to happen and placing bets. And I think with with young people and really with any user base, any any consumer base that you're going after, it's all about. How do you stay connected to breakthrough insights around engagement with those users, and how do you create products that that appeal to them? And that's the big challenge. And I think you know there there are waves and cycles. Um, and um, I think you know the the key challenge is how do you create an innovation engine that allows you to anticipate and respond to those dynamics that you're observing uh, real-time in the marketplace. So, you know, I think young people are are incredibly demanding, but they're also um, really helpful in terms of pushing technology companies to constantly reinvent and also to just embrace a lot of what you know marketers know which is you you have to get into the emotional and and rational mindset of these target audiences and understand what makes them tick and invest in product development that is responsive and they're going to be winners and they're going to be losers and they're going to be um you know fads and all of that that's what keeps them interesting and that's what keeps everybody staying relevant as well. But Torrance, exactly. yeah, Torrance, 
Boone, Managing Director of Agency Development at Google. Thanks so much for being with uh, us today on Market Edge. Thanks, Larry. It's great chatting with you. And thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening to today's conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's show, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash the Larry Weber. Be sure to visit webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Tuesdays ESTS. Thanks again. This is Larry Weber. Goodbye. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.